Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of e-commerce insights. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier, founder and CEO of Wicked Reports. I have with me today, Greg Head. Greg is the marketing mastermind behind Infusionsoft's hyperfast growth back in the 2010s. Before that, he was a very important part of the fast scaling success of Egghead Software. Yes, he was Greg Head from Egghead. They were the first software retailer way back when. Greg now runs Greglist of Software Companies, a fantastic resource of SaaS startups in select cities, invests and advises in software companies, and runs marketing strategy consulting at scalingpoint.com. I know they're valuable because I took part in one and it also was a blast and it was a great growth moment for our company. So it's a great honor to welcome Greg to the e-commerce insights show. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great, Scott. Good to be here with you. Thanks. Glad we could find time to have you on the show. Yeah. I know you're a busy man. <clears throat> all those things. Tell me about you know things. Greg's list. How did that? How did that come to be? And you know what? What's the vision for that? And it's a pretty. I, I think it's a pretty unique thing. Well, I pop over there every now and then. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of my uh, projects here. I it, you you dated me as one of the old timers in the software industry, going way back to Egghead mm-hmm. Software. Uh, way back when, and I spent years in the 30 years in the software business, growing little companies into big ones. So three from startup to global scale. And uh, four years ago, when I left Infusionsoft after a great run, we grew it to 100 million. You know, from a successful company to a much more successful company. Uh, I just started helping all my friends who are running software companies in Phoenix, where I lived at the time, and. Uh, 10, 20, 30, 50, 70, 80 uh, founders with all their uh, typical growth challenges. And so they were all complaining that there's no talent in Phoenix to run a software company, grow a software company, no funding and all that. And I'd grown two companies to 100 million in Phoenix. And so I don't know who started that rumor, but all the job seekers and talent and investors were following me around saying, where is everybody? that we can invest in. So I literally published my list, Greg's list of software companies uh, that I was connecting a lot of people and it turned into a thing. So now there's over 600 software companies in Phoenix, uh, real, real live active software and SaaS companies. So job seekers can find them, investors can find them, uh, everybody else offering help. So I have Greg's list in Boston. So people go to gregslist.com and check out there to see the list of software companies. You just can't find all the companies on LinkedIn and or Crunchbase or anywhere else. So I'm kind of a bigot for startups and founders, especially in the tech and software industry. The, you know, two companies to a hundred million fast. What for people that haven't done that, what's, what's that experience like? It sounds like it's, it's a lot. Well, it didn't seem, it didn't seem fast at the time, but it was pretty fast. It, it's hard to do it really, really slow. So, you know, you kind of have to get in the shoot and go, go, go. And it's the reason why I help founders and connect people and contribute in the communities and advise and consult is because it's a pretty hard game. It's like climbing Everest, except that really hard part where everybody dies. And, you know, that's kind of in the beginning when you make the turn from a startup to a scalable company. That's actually the most difficult part that turn. I call it the scaling point. So uh, it's very exciting. It's really hard. It takes years off your life if you do it right. That VC funded fast growth game. It always looks crazy at first. You don't want to be the 34th of something 
to grow big. You got to be there when the market is not there and it's early and all that. So you have to look crazy at first and create the wave and all that stuff. So uh, it's one of the most rewarding things to do something meaningful in the world with people you care about and, you know, uh, grow Mm -hmm. big teams and companies. And uh, it's, it's really exciting. I'm kind of addicted to it, but I'm not going to go back on the field and play that game myself. I remember I tried to entice you back in. I know. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. So yeah, I help a ton of founders, uh, very busy, but not in that same way. So I, I know how hard, hard it is to grow a company and it's way harder than all the people starting out. The startups are cool and it's yeah. really easy. It's way harder than that, but it's totally, it's doable. I'm not uh, the genius of geniuses and uh, I've done it three times and it's just a different game than most people realize they're playing Mm-hmm. And the game changes as you grow. So and that's part of the trick. You know, I think from what I've seen in the masterminds I'm in and, and just my accumulated experience that one of the toughest things is, is marketing. What, what's the biggest challenges for marketers out there and, and why? Because I, I find it challenging. <laughs> well, when you talk about marketing, I'm going to dig in a little bit here. Like in general, making the thing your software, that's hard. In your case, that's hard, but it's not it's figure outable. You can, you can, you can code it. Right. And so the thing that's actually hard and not as easy, it's not a straight line kind of thing is the growth game. And for startups, you know, so marketing is part of that growth game. And so marketing at bigger companies is what we see in marketing departments, right? All the Mm -hmm. advertising and hand waving and so forth, but marketing and startups is you selling, right? You figuring out what you are, the strategy side of it, figuring out who the customer is, what the benefit, all that early mechanics is marketing. And that's the hard part. And so it's really complex these days. So it's a combination of just the complex, all the, all the technologies, all the data, mm-hmm. all the tech stack, all the tactics, advertising, social media, and everything. It just goes on and on. It's, and, and the other side is most people don't understand all of it and the messaging and the category creation and all that kind of stuff. There's just a, a lot to learn. And experts like ad specialists and so forth really understand one complex piece of the corner. It's hard to see all of it. And so in the last 20 years, as marketing has been, is expanded in complexity for politicians, for e-commerce companies, for software companies, tech companies, every company, it, it's just, uh, it's, you, people get lost in the complexity of the tactics. Uh-huh. You know, that's, that's the challenge. And the strategic side tends to get neglected. They, t- they tend it to does. ignore you rush that. to a tactic just to hit a number or let's yeah. get more leads. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm a, I'm a founder, business owner, creator, and a marketer. So like the marketer people say, stop just asking me to get leads. And then, you know, founders in survival mode making payroll are like, I just need to make some sales, get me some leads. So I totally understand what that is. And so I would put it in a different context is the journey from startup where you're just tactics and experimenting and trying stuff, see what works when you get on the field. uh, You can, that's how you get on the field. That's how you see what works. That's how you start selling. That's how you go. And that hyperactivity and, you know, trying a bunch of stuff, um, experimenting a lot. You actually have to, you know, run around really fast trying a bunch of stuff. But as you scale, you actually have to narrow down. 
Not all the things you could say about it. You, the world wants a simpler message. Not all the tactics you could do. Not all the types of partnerships. Not every ad platform. And your, your wicked reports, attribution and optimization tool, allows you to say, we can start with a bunch of experiments, but we're going to find out what really works. Right? And so that's, that, that's the game in between, say, uh, 1 and 10 million. In between 1 and 10 million, in between startup and scale, it's actually a narrowing in of the things that work, the messages, the tactics, the teams, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're just not going to build everything you could build and do it every way you could. So it looks like everything's a possibility when you start and then you get in the firefight and figuring out what to focus on is actually the biggest challenge. And once you focus on that, then your tactics can work better. I find that happened in product and integrations too. I mean, you, yep. you start everything, everything. Yeah. It's yeah. brutal. Well, it's the 80, 20 rule, which is fundamental to your, the attribution game, right? Mm-hmm. You want to know the corners where you can double down and stop doing the other stuff. And, and it's um, used to be the 80-20 rule, but now it's the 90-10 rule because there's twice as many options in the denominator than there used to be. So it's really counterintuitive as you're racing forward, running a business, got the weight of the world on you, survival mode, your lizard survival brain is going crazy to say, I'm not going to do nine out of the thing, 10 things that I could do. I'm going to narrow in. That's actually the, the universal truth, but it's a, it's a secret almost, or it's counterintuitive for founders in growth mode is that you scale by narrowing in and doubling down, right? And tripling yeah. down. Yeah. That was, that was how it was when I used to trade stocks too. It was um, everything. Yeah. It was the few winners made up for all the losers and then some. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's counterintuitive because when you're selling a service business or e-commerce, you've got lots of things you could sell, right? You think I double sales by doubling the emails and doubling the things we could sell. It's kind of like the restaurant. Like they don't double sales by doubling their menu. They double their sales by narrowing the menu. So it's just right for somebody and they create a lineup there. So it's there 100% of the time in any kind of scalable company. They're not doing all the things they could do. They're saying no to most of it to, to mm-hmm. double down and grow. So let me, uh, it's, it's a new year. This episode will be out in a couple of weeks. So I guess with, what's your framework for like planning uh, for, for marketing for the year? How do you, what's like a general... <clears throat> game plan on that? How do, how do you- Well, for marketers, so if yep. there's marketing people at a company that has a team, right, they've got, and you're not, you, we're not talking uh, on this podcast or your customers or my world, we're not talking about big CMOs and 50 million, $100 million no. businesses and all that. No, like <laughs> one to one to 50 million. So you yeah. got, you got, a, you got yeah, and- one, probably two people in marketing and then you got yeah. a media buyer, maybe yeah. contract for graphics and landing pages. Right. So there's a couple things going on for those marketing people and they, it's complex enough. So you marketing people, unlike salespeople, there's a lead that comes in and they sell them and they, that's a hard game and so forth. But marketing, it's like, how come we're not doubling our leads and how, you know, there's 17 more social media platforms and, you know, Facebook just changed their ad model again. Right. And in the 72 areas you play, the world is changing. So marketers have to deal with that complexity. So the first thing is marketing is work these days, creating content, pushing campaigns, testing something, right? It isn't just 
putting a big media campaign out there and letting letting it come down like it used to be. So marketers have to work really hard in the tactical execution mode, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't all strategy and so forth. It is get in the butts and seats and grind and so forth. So there's a certain amount of work. If you don't show up on social media, if you don't have your ads, if you're not, if you're not pushing, if you're not working your funnel, if you're not optimizing your technologies, all that, you know, that whole stack of stuff, if you're not continually pushing all of that forward and improving it and staying active with it, then, you know, today, modern digital activity slows down. So yes, you have to get some freaking leads. <laughs> you have to make some freaking sales, right? Now that's the deal. Like that's job one. And, uh, you know, in the early stage companies, like you had the founders were the marketers and they were not confused by this. They weren't saying branding and things like that. They were saying, how do I make a sale? And e-commerce marketing is selling, right? You're mm -hmm. actually getting to the sale kind of thing. So, so I would say, yes, you have to be very uh, deliberate about the things you're going to do every day to keep pushing things forward and keep improving things. So that's one thing on the other side though, you need to marketers gain leverage in their execution when they occasionally step back and work with the rest of their team and the founders and say, you know, I know you want to say that we do these 20 things, but 10 of those messages don't even work. And let's, let's narrow our focus on our messaging on who we're targeting on the tactics that we're using you know, and narrowing down is actually where leverage comes from for marketers and sales funnels. It, it just for salespeople too, right? The, mm -hmm. For salespeople, they're narrowing down is the first thing is like, if you're not qualified, you're out of here. Boom, 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 right? Just to get to the one. So marketers have to work with the business leaders, the owners to narrow down. You can't market many things to many people. You actually have to have a very sharp, you know, focused message and marketing that works. So if you look out there and you say, there's marketing, that's working. There's a line. Mm -hmm. They're growing fast. They're raising funding. They're getting elected. There's a line in front of that restaurant. Everybody's buying their music, right? Just generally marketing that works. You look at it. It's not many things to many people that they're lining up for. They're lining up for specialist things. So buyers want a very special point, narrow thing that hits them hard. Boom. Right. Mm -hmm. That's when we say, oh man, it's just for me. That was just my message, just for me. And marketers have this big menu of options over here. So it's working with business leaders. Marketers can't usually narrow the menu. They're out there flogging the menu. They have to work with the business owner to say, gee, what if we just did chicken sandwiches instead of everything we could make? Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah. Chick-fil-A secret, right? So what was uh, you, you had a good analogy about when it was Trump versus Clinton, where um, yeah. <laughs> that was all. Well, those used to work, but now there's a little more sensitive <laughs> out there, Scott. Especially today. Yeah. Well, you know, marketing is not just an e-commerce problem or a tech problem. It's, it's everything. It's our personal, how we get hired. It's, you know, your Boston sports teams. It's Boston has marketing and a brand and so forth. So, so I've used the analogy in politics and of that sharpness and simplicity and Donald Trump 
was elected in 2016, not because he was for everybody he could be for. He was for a very narrow group that was very intense. They lined up, right? But he also had a very simple messages that people can still repeat whether they voted for Donald Trump or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we, we can all remember, what was Donald Trump going to do for America? He was going to make America great. And, you know, the eye rolls on one side and the fist pumps on the other. And then what was Hillary going to do for America? Make Which every us. marketer knows is the benefit line that gets yeah. people to say, I want that. And yeah. uh, people can't repeat it, uh, especially even her fans. So, you know, there's differences in the products there. But Donald Trump had uh, has a supernatural, you know, and could be used for good or evil, a supernatural mm-hmm. communications instinct to keep things simple and strong and sharp and say no to a lot of things. So that's a really counterintuitive, especially to entrepreneurs that have not played the marketing game. Yeah. So when you're running around doing all this marketing, you know, you need dashboards and numbers. Yeah. I know at Infusionsoft, you had your own like private spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> you told me about. Well, I mean, I have one of those too, even though I run an actual yeah. company. Yeah. I find it gives me a lot of peace of mind to have. And when, I, when you punch in a number... It just makes you think about the number. Like if the, the call yes. number is, if the demos are, right. are lower for a day, I'm like, why is that? And if they punch them in low in two days, then I'm immediately right. on the case. I like that. Yeah, I, I still have it in my own business. And so, yeah. you know, I, I grew up in making products in the software products in the 90s. I was part of the little software company that made Act software acquired by Symantec in 93 that was used by all salespeople. Uh, in the 90s, the Windows software. So back then there was no internet and clicks and measurements and all that. There was very little digital data, but there was plenty of data. And so in the complexity of all the channels and all the stages and all the steps in the funnel and all the tactics and all the clicks and everything to go from here's a customer and all the things that you know, bring them in, uh, let's call that marketing or marketing and sales, depending on if you have a handoff mm-hmm. in your process, you actually have to know what the general math is there. And there's a lot of dashboards, there's a lot of tech, it's a lot of complexity. So your software, Wicked Reports, goes through all of the complexities and says, here's the answer, right? Mm-hmm. And you can navigate through that. So my dashboard was, you know, at Infusionsoft was an evolved form of, I would literally type in how many people on the website today, how many people on this page, how many people on the demo page, how many people filled in the form, how many form entries were valid, how many were qualified, how many actually, you know, and just because the dashboard software was not great enough to do that. I guess there's magic dashboards that have all the APIs that can do that for you, but there's something about as the marketing leader, even a big company, typing it in yourself and saying, when somebody says, we ought to do this, and I can run down the hall and say, no, that that doesn't work. And <laughs> something is up. Your demo form is not working last night or something like that. So yeah, it's a, a proxy for what's going on. But you actually have to know what's happening in the funnel. And I'm surprised how many marketers and founders, right? They have equal... Uh, responsibility in the marketing game. How many uh, marketers and founders don't understand their 
high level funnel metrics. What are those? Uh, so what numbers do you consider most important? Well, it's different in every business and different with the stages, B2B, B2C, right? In e-commerce, right? You have a certain amount of impressions of your ads over here and a certain amount of sales over here and in between orders, right? Mm-hmm. In between, you can capture emails, they can click on things, they can view your content, they can pop into your website and all of that. So there's a mess there. But some simple form of it is how many people are seeing your impressions. And if your website is the primary place they order, how many people are generally on the website? But you can't look at website as a whole because there's goofy people that come to your website and people that read your blogs that are not trying to buy anything. That's the content Mm -hmm. marketing game. So you actually have to look at the product-oriented pages, the pricing page, the demo page, your features pages, or whatever that is, not just the, you know, there's some looky-loos there, but at least they're looking, right? And so if you can get in the ballpark, is it 100? Is it 10? Is it 1,000, 10,000 people that come? You can see what the general math is. And the biggest thing to think about, Scott, and this is also, you know the math on this, but the best place to optimize is at the bottom of the funnel and work your way up. Yeah. Right? You don't need to double your ad spend up here if you're not converting from a demo to a sale down here very well. You have to get those really in shape before you can invest in the higher level marketing. Well, and then also customer lifetime value mapped back to lead gen is important yeah. because yes. all the lead numbers in the world, there's so many pockets of Facebook lead gen that are crappy, crappy leads. Right. Probably nice yeah. people, but crappy leads. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the software industry, which was very transactional in the old days and the last 10 years, it's uh, long LTV and recurring revenue and so forth. Yeah. You actually have to know your recurring revenue, your lifetime value to know that you're buying the customers that will stay. If you don't buy customers that stay long in the software, recurring revenue businesses, you're just buying the wrong revenue, right? It's just bad revenue and your financials go crazy. So yeah, software businesses know uh, as they grow, they actually have to have people who love their software and stay a long time and have to scare away the rest. There's another 90-10 coming in, mm-hmm. right? Kind of thing. So to be able to track which, not just did they click, did they click through, did we capture an email, did they buy, but did they stay? Did they buy other things, their lifetime value? And that's the magic trick of long-term serious growth and high valuations, if you want to sell something, is you get recurring revenue, LTV, and so forth. So, and Infusionsoft is very typical in software companies. You start by getting anybody who will buy, mm-hmm. right? That's phase one. <laughs> and that's, that's yes. what it is. And then you climb that hill and you realize half of them you shouldn't have sold because <laughs> they're complaining. You can't make them happy. They don't stay very long. You spent buying them and they just paid you $100 or something like that. And then you start to say, oh, I think we shouldn't sell those people anymore. Maybe you fix your product or whatever. But there's a phase where you say, you start to say, instead of yes to everybody, you start to say no and the business grows faster. So yeah, LTV is a really critical measure. Yes, especially for the kind of software company or the e-commerce company, single transactions, they are multiple, you know, uh, multiple transactions, rebuying, repurchasing, mm-hmm. like Mark's Lobster Company. Yep. Right? You don't want to sell somebody just one lobster ever. 
That's probably a bad customer. Yes. It's, you know, you want people to buy every holiday. And I, like somebody who buys three times a year, like at the major holidays, lobster, the same batch of lobster, whatever, $200 a pop or mm-hmm. something like that, and tells their friends and is loyal, you don't have to market to, they're worth 10 or 20 or 50 times more than that one time. Yeah. It took you a long time to get them. They just bought once and didn't know how to cook a lobster, live lobster and all that stuff. So, yeah. so um, let me ask you. So if, if you're, if a market is working hard, putting out good classy work, but the numbers aren't moving in the direction you want, what is your like triage process or what framework should they use to try to, you know, fix their funnel, if you will? Well, uh, there's a couple areas to look at. One is to say, is the funnel working? Are we missing steps in the logical flow from a customer's perspective? Did we forget about them? We got their emails, but we didn't email. Like as you grow, you're just filling in the basics and not, you don't have any holes in it. The second thing to look like, look at is your messaging. If you actually have people coming through, but they're not buying at you know, the rates you think they should be, or they were, or something like that, then your messaging needs to be improved. Your offer, and it's generally not make the messaging longer. It's generally make the messaging shorter Mm -hmm. and stronger and more focused for them kind of thing and better offers and all that kind of stuff. And then the third thing I'd be looking at is the audience. Are you really talking to the people who really need your software, it's going to change their world? Or are you out there selling hamburgers to vegetarians just because of the reach? And the efficient, it's efficient out out there, but uh, there's those kind of things. So when Mark started his lobster business and used the first version of Wicked Reports after your spreadsheet and so forth, the lobster business is different now than it was three years ago. Oh, yeah. So markets change too. You have different competitors and the dynamic changes out there where customers are seeing your marketing messages. They're seeing different messages and they're hearing things and maybe they're smarter now. Maybe they have other alternatives to, that are different. So you have to, have to keep going. In tech, you always have to be paying attention to what has changed in the world as our customers see it. Maybe lobsters haven't changed so much, but Mark's lobster competition has changed. Well, no, his media buying still changed. I mean, look at this, the Apple iOS update going out. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, all the tech. So, yeah, so marketers have to pay attention to all those signals and all those things. But at some point, you know, you email, you, you, you have good messaging, you've filled in all the blanks, your funnels work and all that kind of stuff. When you're pedaling the bike as fast as you can, your tactics are working, you've doubled your work, but you're not doubling sales something deeper is going on. A competitor is out there and all that, or the market's maturing. And as markets mature, everybody kind of specializes in a corner. So you actually have to have sharp message for, for somebody, which means you literally have to focus more. What is your thing and who you're focused on, the who and the what kind of thing. So generally there's something deeper going. That's classic with startups. I could sell to all these people. I could do all these things. I, you know, have a bunch of clients in here, kind of like you, you sold to anybody who was doing Facebook mm-hmm. ads at the beginning. And now your focus is really more around e-commerce where the rewards are just absolutely massive and required. If you're a serious e-commerce marketer and you have emails and a little bit of a funnel and an LTV, then you're 
advertising on multiple platforms, which is there's a lot of those. You know, you, you cannot grow your business as fast as you want without attribution and knowing what's working and what's not. If you don't have the deeper signals going on, you can't do it. So my Greg's little spreadsheet is not going to solve the problem. <laughs> you mentioned about sharpening the focus a lot. Do you have any uh, examples of that from companies that you worked with or heard of that were stuck and then sharpened and, and scaled? Well, I would say every company that scales has much more narrow, has a narrower focus than you would imagine, whether it's in politics, music, technology, consumer products, restaurants, or whatever. And, every, you know, you can get to a million dollars in your business selling founders, selling any, anybody who says yes, but that's just kind of a mess if you want to keep doubling down and keep growing, right? So it's just normal. And this is lean startup and it's common talk in the startup industry and, and entrepreneurial land. You start, you start by trying a bunch of stuff and experiments and then you start doubling down and saying no. So it's always there, whether it was Amazon in the beginning or just books that could sell mm -hmm. anything in a box. It was just books, Walmart, Microsoft, you know, like everything that's big and many things to many people started out as narrow. So I use the analogy of Chick-fil-A for entrepreneurs, I mean, smart entrepreneurs, not just, I don't know how to do this. No, they're very capable. They're very, uh, work really hard. They understand the tactics. They're just you know, pushing out like you, like you, Scott. You know, I use the Chick-fil-A analogy. Like you're like a chef who can make any kind of food. You could make any kind of software, any kind of attribution thing, <laughs> right? And, but there's no restaurant, the business, that's any kind of food for anybody. It's a restaurant is one kind of food in one place for one audience. The ones that have long lines, have very short menus, right? And the, the restaurants at scale nationally are known for one thing on the menu, organic burrito, organic chickens, you know, chicken, just chicken sandwiches. They could make any kind of food in a week. Every restaurant could make any kind of food in a week and they don't. Why is that? It's because people don't line up for generalists. We line up for specialists. So it's always there. In your case, Scott, you were selling to anybody that was doing online advertising, mm -hmm. Uh, and then you realize, oh, e-commerce is where the power is. You know, the big yep. B2B companies, it, it works, but it's not the same. They don't love it. And the LTV is not there and all that stuff. So, so Infusionsoft was the same. They were selling to every small business. And then it was really just the serious marketers who can handle the technology. And, mm -hmm. and we grew faster. That's the irony. We said no to 90% of small businesses. And we went from 15 to 100 million. And four years because people started lining up. The serious ones started lining up. That is. Thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate your time. Where can uh, people find you if they're looking to learn more? Well, uh, they can see the list of software companies in the major cities, Phoenix, Dallas, Boston at gregslist.com. They can find me on LinkedIn and uh, just find me anywhere. Just go to greghead.com. G-R-E-G-H-E-A-D. Greg Head from Egghead. Great.